Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Forer, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads, just like you, to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Make Here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back, mums and dads. It's always awesome to have you join us as we journey with mums and sometimes with some experts who come and join us along the way. Sometimes we have our sessions that focus specifically on topics like sleep or sensory personalities. But most of the time, I try and bring on mums who are real mums, just like you, who are going through the journey of early motherhood. And the person that we have connected with most over the course of the last year is Cassidy. Cassidy was a career woman before she had Max and took a break for a little bit just before she had him. And then Max was born and he is now going to be this week, 24 weeks old. And so we've been following Max's journey all the way along and following Cass's journey too into motherhood. And each week we talk about the highs and there's some wonderful ones like Max sat for three seconds in our last session when we were chatting last. And of course now 24 weeks, I'm eager to hear whether or not he's progressed any further than his three seconds. And then there are also the lows. Like last time we spoke about that incredible juggle about fitting in feeds and sleeps and everything in the day. It's, it is a juggle. And so I'm very, very delighted this week to welcome back Cassidy and Max. Hi, Cass. Hi. Hello. Good to have you back. So how are things going with our big boy, our 24-week-old? 20, so he's almost six months old, Cass. I know he is. He is. And bless him, he's got a cold. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Is that his first kind of really... This is yeah. his first proper no. cold and no. it's a streamer. <laughs> Well, get used to it. I think actually, if I'm not mistaken, two sessions ago, I'm sure I had said to you about how immunity develops. But a little reminder for everybody who maybe didn't catch that one. So immunity is incredible because first of all, it's established in utero. So all the little viruses and germs and everything that you had when you were pregnant with Max were transferred to him through the umbilical cord and he gets born with certain antibodies. Then, of course, step number two is magical colostrum. And this is one of the reasons why even if a mom chooses not to breastfeed, I always say you have got to give colostrum because what gets transmitted in colostrum, which is that very rich early milk, only lasts for three days. But what is in there is just full of great antibodies. And then, of course, there's breast milk, which also has lovely antibodies. And then as we go through the rest of the year, all that immunity sticks around until around about six months. And then it starts to wane. And of course, he's hitting six months and he's showing us exactly that, where they have to start to be a little bit more self-reliant and they will, he will have a very robust immune system. And so they have to be more self-reliant. And that self-reliance means that they need to have exposure to germs and hohos. Then their body needs to mount a response to that. And they need to do it approximately 14 times before they actually start a play group or school. And so these early little bouts of, of illness are actually really a good thing. So as painful as it feels, because I know trying to feed a baby with a snotty nose is awful and they wake up more often at night and, 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 but it's actually just part of the progression of him developing his immunity, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, so he actually he's caught it off his dad. Um, Alex uh-huh. came home with a cold on the weekend, and sure enough, uh, so Alex had it on the weekend, and then by the Thursday, uh, Max had got it. In fact, it was the first day he had his first swimming. I, I use the term lesson loosely. First Exposure. swimming, <laughs> yeah, class, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Group, lovely. Which he absolutely loved. He woke up with this cold and I really didn't know I thought oh gosh should we take him to swimming because he's mm. got a bit of a cold and is that going to make it worse but he was in really good spirits so I so was really umdenard and actually until we got into the pool I still didn't even know if I was going to but he slept on the way there and we decided it was all very warm in the pool and warm mm. in the so we took him and he absolutely it. adored it I've never seen him love anything as much but he, yeah, his cold has got progressively worse. The hardest thing about it actually is, as you mentioned, the feeding, because he's obviously, when he's drinking his milk, if his mm. nose is blocked, he can't breathe. And so mm. that's mm. been, so I've got ulbus oil for babies and I'm putting that on a muslin just before his feed and sort of just hovering it near him, having him sit on my lap and we read a book or something with that nearby so it can help to clear okay, his nose. And then I- idea have it just below him while he's feeding Mm. it's not making it is making a difference but he's still having to sort of he's at the stage now where he's pushing the milk and bringing it forward Mm. so he kind of pushes the milk away catches his breath and then goes again so the other thing that you mentioned about waking at night I cannot swear enough about uh, swear enough on the Calpol plugin Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's no, a plug-in me. and you put these little discs into it and it just emits this, it makes the room smell and very sort of mentholy and it's got lavender and chamomile and he has not woken extra at night at all from his cold. So it's a little tab that kind of fits into the wall and it emits these amazing smells. It's very interesting. I haven't heard of it. Yeah, and it clears completely. It's like, I mean, it's a bit like an Olbus plug-in, but it's got lavender and chamomile in it as well. And he just can breathe clearly at night. It helps him. And it's made such a difference because, of course, the other thing is the importance of sleep when they're mm. not very well. Yeah. So that if if any mm. mums has have a baby with a cold get yourself a cowbell plug in if you can, because they've made such a difference. And that's so interesting. I mean, one of the things that I think is important to note, and it is so frustrating when your little one can't breathe, you know, your default position would be, well, we'll just get them a decongestant because that's what we do for ourselves. But babies of this age actually can't take decongestants. And unless they are prescribed by a medical doctor for, you know, for a specific reason, and even then, usually they don't prescribe them for this age. They can have a little bit of culpal painkiller, which is what I was confusing this with, because when you said it was a culpal pad, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure, uh, or plug-in, I wasn't sure how the painkiller worked, but of course <laughs> it's not. It's just to clear the nose. So that's excellent. But you can do a little bit of paracetamol if he's really feeling quite miserable and and out of sorts. Well, (laughs) yes, because, and I think this is quite common from what the app said, Mm because I was reading stuff on the app 
he is also, we went to the doctor because he had to have his monthly weigh in because as if people have listened to previous episodes, he's had weight problems. So we now have to go every month to the doctor to be weighed, but he's doing really well. He's 8.15 kgs. So he's still on the 75th percentile. So he's doing really well. While we were sitting there, the doctor said he's teething now. So we have actually been giving him some cow all at night, but more, I think, for the teething mm. because he's just seemed a bit, I can feel the lump on his gum mm. and he's just been sort of a bit, I mean, I can't imagine the poor little thing. He has no idea what's going on. He's got this searing pain in his mouth and he can't breathe. I mean, yeah. he doesn't understand. What's going on? Yeah. So actually a couple of things there. So, I mean, he does have a cold because you've, you've talked about how that kind of preceded the teething, but teething can actually also sometimes be confused with illness as well. And the reason for that, and moms will often say to me, my, my, my little one's teething, he's really under the weather. But actually what, uh, what happens is that when little ones are teething, they do produce a lot of liquid and moisture. And it can be a really snotty, runny, clear snot nose. It can be a huge amount of mucus coming around their mouths. And then that often is associated with them gnawing on their hands and that then in turn spreads the mucus around the mouth and so you get the this little kind of rash coming up around the mouth as well and so that quite typically are all things that you do see with teething and then with teething you get these incredibly stinky poos i always say that they're like almost acidic smelling slightly sickly sweet smell in the poos and that's because all of that moisture and mucus that's moved through and in his case it's double double whammy because he's got it coming through from his nose as well moves through the alimentary canal and it actually creates this this horrible kind of stinky poo and we call them teething poos and they're often a little bit more slimy slightly different consistency and they often do cause nappy rash as well so i don't know if you've seen any of the other sides of teething as well yeah he does have some mild nappy rash there's no rash around his mouth. And there have been a couple of occasions where I found myself saying, oh, that's a, that's a stinker, Max, <laughs> when, <laughs> when changing his nappy. So mm. that does make mm. sense. But he also, I feel, isn't as happy about solids. Mm, definitely. He doesn't seem yep. to be interested yep. in eating. This episode is brought to us by Parent Sense the all-in-one baby and parenting app that help you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. Yeah, so, I mean, Max is, we've discussed it before, he's a settled baby stroke social butterfly. So his sensory profile is that he's got a slightly higher threshold for sensory information. So he's probably not as perturbed by what's going on in his mouth as another baby would be. But our sensitive babies and our slow to warm up babies actually typically go off food altogether for about three days around teething. They just won't tolerate it because having that spoon go into their mouth is sore, the gums are sore, they're irritable around their mouth. They're just not going to eat. It's like, I don't know if you've ever had like an outbreak of of kind of gum boils or, or mouth ulcers. And like, you just don't want to eat because every time you eat, it's sore. And that's kind of what they're experiencing. So he hasn't gone off food completely, but you can get 
get little ones who do. So yes, the fact that he's gone off a bit is makes sense. Interestingly, he has not gone off his milk at all though. Is that, mm. that's normal? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's normal because milk is, is much less, it's more neutral, not, not as acidic. So it's not going to, if, if there's a little kind of hole or, you know, where, where the tooth comes through, it's not raw firstly. And secondly, it's the sucking that accompanies it rather than a hard spoon. So yeah, it's very typical at this age that they do go through a little bit of a, a hiccup if they do teeth. And by the way, for other mums who are listening, Max is almost six months old as we know, and that's when little ones start to teeth. Over 80% of babies will teeth their first tooth between six months and a year. So it, it's highly unusual to teeth before six months. I mean, he's, he's, he's I think he's about two weeks off six months. So he's there. But what's interesting is that often when they start to gnaw on their hands at four months old, because they do find their hands, then parents think, oh, they must be teething. But actually they're not. You do need to wait around until they're about six months old. So Max is doing a textbook style. <laughs> yes, but do you know, I have to say, so, but, and I, if, if she listens to this, I'll, I apologize to you because I know she'll know who she is. But my great friend, she's been on the podcast before, the mother of my goddaughter, she met, said to me her baby was about four four months. And yeah. she said, Yeah. And um, she started teething. And in my head I thought <laughs> I, Meg, Meg said, mum, say this. <laughs> She's not teething. And sure enough, she has two teeth now. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So it does happen. And that we've often spoken about on the podcast as well, that there is no perfect textbook. So she's in that 20%. In fact, less than 20% who teeth early because remember, there's also a percentage that teeth for their first tooth later than a year. So I had a cousin whose little one only teethed his first tooth at 18 months. And I can remember her doing a wild email to me saying, look, I haven't tapped you for any information, but is it possible that my child is never going to get teeth? So I said, no, I promise he will get teeth. He's just taking his time. Yeah, no, he, I mean, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. And he is coping, you know, it goes Um, back to his sensory personality. He is coping amazingly with it because, Mm. you know, yes, the cold is one thing and the cowpaw plug-in is helping him at night, but he's still not waking Mm. up any more in the night than he was. Um, We're giving him cowpaw before he goes to bed after bath. He's having a dose of cowpaw. If he's been a bit niggly, the other night we didn't give him and at about 11, he kind of woke Mm. up and we ended up giving him cowpaw. But most of the time, if we give him cowpaw his bath, he goes goes through till sort of one One and then he's doing his feeding. Yeah, one or two and then he's Mm. doing his feeding and then he's going through till the morning. So... That's excellent. Um, it doesn't seem to be affecting him too much. But, yeah, excellent. Yeah. Sure, short little one. And immunity, just on that, I know we spoke about sterilizing a few weeks ago. And if anybody didn't hear the sterilizing session, do go back and listen to that because we talked about when's the right time to stop sterilizing. But when it comes to immunity, and I've already said, as I said today, it starts in pregnancy and goes through to six months. But from six months, some babies then are recommended a supplement in order to help them with their immunity. And just a couple of principles there. The first one is that we always try and get everything that we need in our diet nutritionally from food. That's that's our first port of call. However, some little ones won't always get everything they need from food, either because they're very fussy or because they had a trickier start in life or they were born prematurely. And those babies do need some nutritional supplementation. So for instance, a prem baby will almost always be on an iron supplement. 
And many pediatricians and, and will actually put little ones onto a supplement at around about this age because immunity is starting to be tested. And in particular, one of the supplements that little ones are often put on, particularly breastfed babies, is iron. Not all babies have to go on iron if they've got a really robust diet of dark green veggies and meat, red meats. They don't need to have iron, but many babies do actually need iron at around about this age as well. So it's just something to look out for and probably something to ask your ped if he hasn't already mentioned those. Yeah, he hasn't mentioned anything yet, but at the moment, I mean, we have been introducing some dark green veggies in there. He's actually going to be having, I think, beef is on the list for next week. So, but no, we'll keep an eye. Yeah. Uh, he seems to be, the cold's definitely improving, which is good. He hasn't, you know, it seems to have taken a very natural mm-hmm. course where he got the cold and he's been streaming, but it's not got any worse. And it he yeah. now seems to be on the mend. And you can now tick that virus off the lists because he's got immunity for that. Well, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. That, that particular unique strain yes. of cold. <laughs> that probably won't happen again next year. Yeah. But anyway, these two, but it, it just also tests their immunity. It gets their immunity to know what to do. Like, you know, okay, so I've got, I've, I've got a germ, I've responded to it and now I've got the, the yeah. antibodies. So it really is good for them. Is, no, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, it sounds strange to say I'm glad Mm. my son has a cold, but, Mm. you know, as you say, he needs to start getting things. But Mm. before the cold came about, because otherwise I would have attributed it probably to that, is one thing we've noticed is he used to be such a dream, particularly in his cot in the day, to put down for day sleeps. He started being harder to put down. Mm. He just more fussy. We never I could put him down and I would leave the room and that was it. I could then go off and do my mm. chores or whatever. But now I'm having to go up a few times and sometimes he can be crying. And is that for all of his sleeps of the day or specific ones? I mean all of them he's more fussy, but some of them I mean the other day he took two hours nearly to try mm. and get down to sleep. And that he ended up, you know, in my arms with mm. me rocking. Mm. We did one the other day, my husband and I went for a walk in the pram and he just stared at us <laughs> through the pram for okay. the whole hour. We tried putting the hood down. We tried lifting the hood up. We had the dummy. We didn't have the dummy. We tried everything and he just was not moaning, just staring mm. at us. Just awake. And then we got home, but it had been so long that I ended up again rocking him and he was in mm. my arms. I've played with awake windows. I tried to do slightly longer and that got, he started going down really quickly for a day and then the next day. So so, so what, what are you currently doing for his awake windows? Uh, an hour and a half for the first one in the morning and then two hours after that. Yeah. So next week he's going to be on two hours to two and a quarter. And Mm. I would recommend that now already you move him up to two for all of them. Okay. And two and a quarter for the last one of the day. So you so you just stretch it out a little bit. So go two hours from wake up to the first sleep. How long are his sleeps at the moment? Are they forty five minutes or is he linking? So they are 45. Okay. So therefore they're 45 as always with babies. That is not a simple question. Yes. They are 45 minutes in the cot. Most mm-hmm. of the time in the pram, he can do over two hours. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have to wake him for a feed mm-hmm. at the lunchtime pram, but only if he's in the pram, mm. a car seat is also 45 minutes unless we're con- still moving. Driving. Yeah. But the cot, but 
with his cold, he's actually done the other day, he did his morning sleep and his lunchtime sleep for an hour and 20 minutes in the cold. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So it's quite typical until six months for little ones to do 45 minutes in the cot for all sleeps. And of course, the reason he's sleeping better when he is in the car seat or in the pram is because he's in a flexed position and that curled up position just helps him to sleep better. It's one of the things that if our babies were still sleeping on their tummies, he would be doing long stretches. But this thing of sleeping flat on their backs, you know, just does mean that they don't, they don't quite sleep as deeply. And so they, they do wake up after 45 minutes and we can usually get it right that they can link those sleep cycles by about six months. And it usually is dependent on the fact that they have a big meal just before that midday sleep. And in fact, I also love to do a little top up bottle after that. So you kind of do a little almost like a cluster feed at around midday to help them to sleep a little bit longer. But then regardless of how long their sleeps are, whether they're doing the 45 minutes or whether they're doing the two hours, you need to watch those awake times for two hours. And then the only ones that then change is that if he's going down and what time does he go down in the evening? For bed. Yeah. He goes up at about quarter past six, half past six for his bath and he's down by quarter to seven, seven because we're having to do quick sleep at kind of quarter to five at the moment because he's mm-hmm. waking up and it's too long. Yeah. yeah. That's perfect. So quarter to so then what I would do is I would do quarter to five he has a sleep, but he must be awake by five. So it's it's a mm-hmm. cat nap. We really and they can be grumpy after those ones. And it doesn't last forever. You're just in that stage where he actually can't make it through without that one. And then make sure you've got two hours to two hours 15 before bedtime of awake, and then he should settle okay. But yeah, it yeah, is he's a stage. fine going down at night still. That's, you know, not changed. Oh, good. You know, as I say, that we can still, we put him down um, and that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. Although interestingly, <laughs> he has decided of his own accord. He was having his, I think we mentioned a few weeks ago, actually, he was having a feed before, a small feed before, or half a feed really before bath and then the other half of the feed yes. after bath. Then we started putting, because he was struggling a bit with his sleep at night. So we put the full feed before bath. So we were giving him a small feed just because he was used to that before mm-hmm. bed. Of his own accord now, he is refusing that feed yes. after bath but before bed he's just decided mm. he does not want that so now we've dropped that and we just read him a story and put him down but that so does he have changed. the milk before bath or before bed before bath he has his okay. final feed Indeed. and yeah. then he just just said no i'm not he doesn't having, want anymore yeah 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 so that's perfect i mean and that's that is actually i mean if you look at the app that's pretty much what happens around about this age we stop splitting the milk feed for the evening so you could experiment with it being just before bedtime but i think the fact that it works for you just before bath time is perfect it doesn't yeah doesn't he's he seems fine with it and as i say we read him a story put him down and he'll do a full tour of his cot <laughs> it rolling around oh, that's brilliant <laughs> he will come right up to one end and then go right up to the other end and roll all over the place with his taking his comforter with him all the way and then just fall asleep when he's ready. If you enjoy my podcast, I would like to share one of my favorite podcasts with you, The Honest Hour. Christina Mazurik is mom to two boys and a third little boy on the way. She's an American expat living in Cape Town, South Africa since 2008 and decided to start sharing her experiences in parenting since 2017. Having grown up in a dysfunctional family environment in her own childhood, which led to her adoption at the age of 10, Christina is passionate about finding purpose and presence in parenting, as well as exploring our own opportunity for healing and personal growth as we navigate the world of parenting our own children. 
Christina believes in ending the trauma cycle and that in parenting our own children, we can learn how to reparent ourselves. So pop on over to Christina's podcast, The Honest Hour. So Cass, I'm fascinated by it because I mean, I can tell you right now that they're going to be moms going, what are you talking about? Like, there is no ways my baby would do that and then fall asleep. So I want to know a couple of things. How do you know he's doing that? Do you stand in the room or are you watching him on the monitor? On the monitor, okay. yeah. So for other moms, that's the reason that Cass actually in many respects has such a good self-settler is that she's walked out the room. And, you know, I guess I think that that's such an important principle that if you, if you stand, if you were one of those moms and there are hundreds who are listening to this, and I can tell you that I have done it, you probably have done it occasionally in your journey. If you're a mom who stands over the cot and watches, well, imagine what Max would be doing. He'd look up at you and go, okay, so you're still here. Do you want a job? Well, I can give you a job, (laughs) soothe me to sleep or rock me to sleep. And so it's actually a very important principle to walk out the room and you can watch from outside. And it is fascinating the way that babies will do something like that, like kind of roll around the cot or hum to themselves or other babies actually rock their heads side to side. And other babies do this thing of just like hitting their legs down. So you kind of hear And all of those are actually self-settling techniques. And if left alone, little ones who are allowed to will actually fall asleep on their own. So that's quite an incredible thing that he's doing, especially at this age. He chats away for the full tour. (laughs) Um, And actually, we decided next week we're going to have to lower the cot because he is lifting his legs and then sometimes putting them on the side of the cot. <laughs> <It's> hysterical. <laughs> and sometimes falling asleep like that with his legs uh, up and his comforter completely over his face. The first time uh, he likes to put the comforter mm. kimbo, we call the comforter kimbo, over his face and his legs sometimes will be over the side or mm. he'll roll onto his side kind of in mm. that fetal position. So it's interesting what you were saying earlier about that position. But yeah, he, in fact, Alex said to me, he thinks he's going to try experimenting, putting him in the cot facing the other way to see if it's just that he feels he wants to face this way or if yeah. he's just got to do a full tour before <laughs> he can go to sleep. So he ends up facing the opposite direction to the direction you put him in. Sometimes. So the other night we put him in and then the next thing we sort of turned the monitor on, he was right up at the top end of the cot by the camera. Then we kind of sat down to have our meal, something looked at the monitor a little bit later and he was right down the other end, squashed up against the bottom of the cot. Other times he'll just do a 180 yeah. and then fall asleep. Yeah. So it, it varies. Yeah. No, look, it's incredible that he's doing that now. And, you know, I mean, I know many months ago when we were talking about self-soothing, because we've had many discussions and if anybody's interested in how Cass did it, we have had lots and lots of conversations over the months of, of actually how to establish good sleep habits and how to let little ones self-soothe. And there was no cry it out with Max ever. You know, we did it, we, we did it really gently and incrementally and, and Cass credit to you for the way that you've managed that. But one of the things that I said to you right back then is that there's been research that has been done and it was done by Anders that showed that little ones who get this right between five months old and seven months old, which is exactly where he is, are typically good sleepers. I mean, it really but does bode well. That doesn't mean he's not going to have an unsettled patch because he certainly will. And sometimes it happens when they're teething and sometimes it happens when they're ill. And sometimes it just happens with separation anxiety, which is a new phase that'll come between seven and nine months. But you can always go back to this because you and Max actually know that this is the baseline parameters. So it's it's really, you know, well done to you and Max. It's it's, and it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen without hard work. And I think that's often what parents don't realize is that, you know, it's not. And people will say, "Gosh, you're so lucky." Well, 
<laughs> maybe a little bit of luck in his sensory personality, but there's a lot of hard work that goes to get him here. Yeah, there were nights where, I mean, there have been nights even in the middle of the night where I've sort of just laid there with the timer on watching because mm. he's been fussing and I've really wanted to go mm. into him. Um, and Alex, uh, you know, I've even had tears in my mm. eyes because I've been like, I just want to go to him. And Alex is like, it's fine. You're okay. You're doing a really good job. But, yeah. you know, but he wasn't of, distressed. Yeah. He was just moaning no. and fussing. Yeah. 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 And he, I mean, he was sort of, there were periods where he might cry, but he wasn't. Mm. Uh, first of all, you I'd already been in once and I yeah. checked, you know, he, everything mm. was fine. So yeah, you and you can you, I can hear the difference. But the this is the interesting thing is he's that he's fine at night. It's just these day sleeps he started. Mm. So I'll definitely try that awake window. Yeah. Going down because he was going down kind of 10 minutes before the 2 hours in preparation for the 2 hours. So I'll try and put him down kind of 2 mm. hours. Exactly. 2 hours 5 minutes. Yeah. That's perfect. And it'll shift again in the next couple of weeks and then your next big cusp age happens at nine months. So I'll never, I'll help you navigate, get through that one. That That's a really big cusp age where we drop from three sleeps to two sleeps, but you, they do go through patches. And this, this one right now is the one where he could have been having, if he was having 45 minute sleeps for all of the sleeps, he could be having as many as three plus a cat nap. And that just can't quite fit in. And so the, this is the age where they go from three or four sleeps down to four sleeps down to three sleeps. And they just battle to navigate it because of the daylight hours. So, yeah. yeah. Cass, so interesting. Thank you so much for sharing Thank again you. this week. And I really do look forward to chatting to you next week and where we catch up a little bit further. So yeah. thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Meg. Pleasure, Cass. Bye. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.